Welcome to BIV Daily, the podcast from the newsroom of Business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe, the publisher and editor-in-chief. This week, our podcast is examining the changing nature of work, its dynamics and challenges in the pandemic era, and how employers and employees are adapting to what we now know as the new normal. Our series is brought to you by the worker compensation organization WorkSafe BC, by the law firm Harrison Company, and by the professional services firm Deloitte. We are um, we're still sorting through the legal questions about the workplace in the pandemic, mainly because we haven't had to ask ourselves about them in such scope at one time. But there are very clear requirements under the law and many emerging questions about where that law might apply. And to sort them through, we brought in an expert. Lindsay Thompson is the managing partner of the Harrison Company law firm here in Vancouver. Good to have you with us. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. can Can we try to identify at least at first here what are the real legal obligations of the employer now that we know that remote work is, uh, is, is here to stay? Yeah, I mean, in the past, we would have had the odd question here and there on remote work um, from employers who wanted to do something for their employees in terms of, uh, you know, a, a benefit or improving culture. And typically our advice has been, Uh, Well, you have the same legal obligations for safety, privacy, hours of work um, as you do when they're working in the office, but very little ability to manage those issues remotely. So, um, you know, some would take it on regardless and others would just abandon the idea. And then and then, like you said, March 2020 hit. um, Everybody has to immediately work remotely in order for the business to survive. Uh, concerns about technical legal requirements end up on the back burner, and frankly, survival becomes the primary goal. Connectivity. Yeah, I, I, I remember far enough back <laughs> in that period, don't you? I mean, where where actually it was like, oh, I'm not sure this is legal, but we better we better do something here. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Have, have we swung back though now to where we're uh, we're getting our feet again uh, around uh, the legal requirements? For sure, I think that. Initially, as you say, everybody sort of relaxed their expectations in terms of legal requirements. We're now nearly four months into this. Reality is setting in. It's going to be a long-term, uh, you know, effect. So now these expectations are coming back to the forefront, um, and we have to turn our mind to look. What is the regulatory environment? How do we how do we reduce uh, risk on that front? And you know, one of the key things here to remember is that. The legal regime for for the workplace was not built for the digital age. It was built for the industrial age, built for a time when you had people in front of you, you were supervising them in person. So we have to kind of reverse engineer some of our processes, right, to be compliant. Does that require a, a pretty broad rethinking? Um, it does in some senses. Yes. I think it's going to require some creativity. I think it's going to require us to, um, rethink how and why we did things in the past and how we can meet the same objective without necessarily doing it the same way. So, you know, initially you saw employers just band-aid solutions all over everything. You know, we'll just uh, send you home your chair from the office and a, and a monitor and, and you know, off you go. You're sitting at your kitchen table. And, yeah, that's not good enough long term. Um, we do have to rethink. And so, you know, employers need to ask themselves, where are they on this spectrum? Are they in the Band-Aid zone? 
or have they moved to a place where they're bulletproof going forward and, and these are not risks for them anymore? So, I mean, that's really what we're seeing people, they need to ask themselves, you know, where are they in the spectrum? Well, let's let's leave the Band-Aid people alone for the time being. <laughs> let's, let's try to figure out how you get bulletproof, uh, to your point. Um, so what are the actual legal requirements in general that employers have toward their employees? Sure. So, I mean, there's two that that are key. And this is obviously assuming that you are supporting remote work. You don't have to allow someone to do remote work. And we can talk about that later. But but assuming you are supporting remote work, then the answer is, you know, pretty much everything you're required to do for them in the workplace, you're required to do for them in their remote work environment. Two kind of key ones that um, are obvious ones is the safe work environment. Um, you know, this is one of the biggest considerations and, and one of the one of the sort of biggest areas of concern for employers. Uh, employees might be working alone. They might not have a safe setup. They might not have an ergonomic setup. You know, lots of people working at their kitchen counter. Um, so these aren't long-term solutions. You do have to take those those. Um, regulatory requirements for ergonomics, for reporting hazards, uh, having a safe workplace, and figure out how to make that work and manage that in an employee's home or in a remote setting. So that's kind of one major topic. Well, I'm not going to let you get away uh, uh, to the second major topic before we get yeah. to that one, because I that that sounds to me like an employer has a duty to ensure that uh, you have the right chair, you have the right desk, you have the, the, the computer screen at the right level. And again, these are, these are white collar issues, obviously. Yeah. Um, is, is that a legal requirement or is, or is there some fuzzy area in there? Yeah, so, um, I mean, I'll be watching with interest what the WorkSafe person says in terms of their, their um, answer to this, but, but you know, Certainly the information that they're posting on working from home does call out that employers do need to ensure there's ergonomics taken into account when you're setting up at home. So for example, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's a key question here. Are you the one as the employer asking them to work from home or is this a voluntary measure that they've asked to work from home? Uh -huh. Either way, you have an ergonomic issue. But if the employee is the one pushing it, then the cost of that is it's a question mark whether the employer really has to, you know, buy a new chair, uh, you know, buy a desk, um, you know, heck, give them more money to pay for a bigger apartment so that they have a den or office, right? Right, because I, because I think that that's, that's, this is a fair territory to explore now. I think a lot of employers are beginning to wonder just what will be my obligations if if really I, you know, I can't bring everybody back to an office space. I don't have the right, I don't know the, the dimensions correct for that. Um, I'm going to need to have some people uh, work from home in order to facilitate this. So now what do I have to do? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, they're going to need to think about what's the setup that they have at the office? How many people can they rotate through the office? Is there a middle ground they can find for people working from home temporarily, um, such that they're not having to both outfit an office and outfit a remote office? Because that's not going to be viable either, right? So, um, you know, there, there's going to have to be a balance found here. But, 
but for sure, we're going to have to pay more attention to ergonomics than we've been doing in the past three or four months, um, and because it's basically been getting zero attention so far. Okay, so then, um, and, and again, I know you're going to get back to another major ter- uh, yeah. area here in a sec. Um, it sounds as if the, the employer-employee relationship begins to get a little more casual the longer that you're in this remote work situation. So um, again, what is, what is an employer permitted to do in terms of managing an employee when you're off-site? Um, so like not anything to do with the ergonomics, but just in terms of how we manage their workflow and that kind of thing. Is that what you're wondering? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, the fundamentals of the relationship are that you're still the employer. You're still entitled to expect productivity from your employees. And you're going to have to figure out how to manage employees remotely. No longer is it good enough for us just to look at them and say, well, they're at work. They must be working. Um, management of, of employees is going to have to be more substantive. We're going to actually have to find solutions for figuring out, are our employees productive? Um, and, you know, backing up for, for a second, if you don't have a baseline of what productivity you would have expected um, while they were in the office, then you're going to have to put some work into figuring out what is an appropriate baseline um, of productivity in order to measure whether whether they're there or not. But you know we're going to have to be creative. And creative, but also, uh, can you really expect as an employer that you're going to get the same level of output of productivity of of efficiency from someone who isn't in a you know a, a, a an office terrain yeah I think it's probably comes that's a, probably an individual question an individualized question mm-hmm. um, lots of people work really well in a quiet space and if they have a really great setup at home where they can just focus and get things done, they might actually be more productive than when they're at the office and people are visiting or chatting amongst themselves or, or, or distracted in other ways. So I don't think we can say on the whole that we're going to have less productivity across the board for, uh, if, if people are working remotely. I think uh, it really does, it, it, it is going to be dependent on um, personality and, and, and the individual, but also your ability to adapt as a manager and to really uh, find new ways of continuing to get the person to be productive. But the law doesn't prescribe any kind of uh, one-to-one type of uh, approach with, uh, with uh, you know, an office as opposed to a remote situation. I mean, the employer isn't particularly entitled to expect exactly the same thing. Um. No, I mean, the law basically doesn't get into the weeds in terms of, um, you know, productivity benchmarking or anything like that. As an employer, you're just, you're entitled to uh, a productive employee. And if they're not productive, then you would take steps to manage their performance. So, um, you know, I guess the question might come up around someone who's less productive and let's say they get put on a performance plan. Um, they might say, well, that's not fair. I'm working from home, but I, that doesn't really hold water for me because uh, unless there's a real reason why they can't be productive at home, I'm not sure why that wouldn't be a fair thing to talk to them about. Again, is there anything in, in, in law or, or in, in any kind of practice 
that helps us understand what we're going to do with those, for instance, who are still looking after um, an aging parent or children uh, while trying to juggle uh, the demands of an office, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a big question. So you see um, requests for what's called an accommodation. Um, people who want to work from home because they don't have childcare or because they have an ailing parent and they want to be able to work from home in order to do both of those things, essentially. Um, and that raises a really interesting question. I mean, as the employer, you need to think about whether that is going to fit with your model. So if, if there's a real question mark due to the age of the children or the type of work that the employee has to do, if it's, if it's quiet work, focused work, or phone work that has to happen, and you know their children are gonna be jumping in all the time, it's, it's a valid question to say, you know, I'm not sure whether this is going to work for you to work from home. So those types of discussions are gonna to have to happen. And um, you know, if the person cannot do productive work at home, you may, and, and because of COVID, they don't have childcare or something like that, then you know, it may be that they have to look at uh, a COVID leave or some kind of leave of absence instead, temporarily, of course. But um, yeah, so I mean, there are certainly challenges there. And, and an employer, um, does an employer have the right to order someone back in? Um, so in terms of coming back to the office? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you do have the right to say where the work will be done. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, as the employer, you're entitled to set up shop in Vancouver or Burnaby or wherever you like, and then you hire people, they're supposed to come to your workplace, right? So that's the default. Uh, people who are concerned about coming to the office because they don't want to take transit or they're uncomfortable because there will be a number of people in the office and they're not sure about whether any of those people have been exposed, um, you know, that type of discomfort is not something that you have a legal obligation to accommodate or to say, yeah, okay, you, you can work from home. We don't have a choice. As an employer, you, that would require a soft touch in terms of managing those issues, but there's no legal obligation to allow that person to work from home just because they're uncomfortable. You know, if they have an illness and it makes them um, susceptible to significant complications due to COVID, then now we're into a, a situation where you, you may have to accommodate them with remote work if there's remote work available. Um, and if it's, if, you know, if their doctor looks at your safe work plan and says, yeah, even though you've got plexiglass everywhere in between your workstations, and even though you only have one person in the lunchroom at a time, it's still too risky for them, then you'll probably have to um, have them stay at, stay at home. Because it is possible, isn't it, that a lot of people who have been coming into an office setting will will have some uh, physical conditions now that uh, that really are over that line uh, around COVID and where you know their their pre-existing conditions um, complicate things and and provide a greater risk to them. And then there is what a, a duty to accommodate in that. Yeah, there, there. That's the conversation and the the thought process you'd be having. So you you talk to the person about you know what is the condition, um, and you don't need the diagnosis, but but you you'd be saying to them, get your doctor to 
look at our safe work plan, see how we've rearranged the office, um, and make a determination, give an opinion as to whether it, um, it's still necessary for you to stay at home in order to stay safe. What, what we're seeing is that, you know, now with restrictions easing in the retail environment, in public spaces, people are a little less jittery about coming into the office, even if they have some medical condition. But um, certainly in April and May, and potentially in the fall, if we see a resurgence and, you know, bad weather in the flu season and all that, uh, we might see that really become more prevalent. Okay, I'm going to uh, tap your, uh, your power of recall because I interrupted you about 10 minutes ago where you were looking at yeah. a, a major area and I interrupted you and I went down a, we went down a rabbit hole together. <laughs> um, so so you, there is, though, a more major material here that we have yeah. to take into consideration. Yeah, I mean, the, sec they're, they're, the second one that I, th I thought was kind of a major topic is, um, and along this theme of, of the regulatory framework really being built for the industrial age, not the digital age, is this idea that under the Employment Standards Act, you have an obligation to keep payroll records um, with daily hours worked on each day, regardless of whether a person's paid by the hour or a salary. So um, how are you going to do that now? Yeah, exactly. Right. So, so, well, you could take a couple different approaches. One approach is to basically have the person, you know, check in with you when they start, check, tell you when they're taking breaks and you are both recording all of these things and that's your record. Um, now you're taking them at their word that they're actually working in those in between times. Right. Um, but lots of people are giving flexibility during the workday and they're saying look I don't really care when you get your work done if it's at nine at night because you had to um, you know take your kids somewhere during the day then that's fine too and that's going to be more challenging I think to verify and to check check on and everything like that so yeah. you know it, it is going to be tricky it, it, it's certainly tricky because I mean a lot of people would use their commutes for instance to also take care of an errand on the way into a, a place or on the way home, right? So, well, okay, you're not doing that commute anymore. So you're presumably having to figure out when to do an errand. Yeah. And maybe the best time to do it is at 10 in the morning or, you know, like early afternoon when yeah. the stores aren't as full kind of thing. Um, what on earth are you going to be able to do from an employment standards standpoint in order to chronicle this and to and you know a lot of ways to satisfy the regular regulator that you you actually have a you know a 40 hour a week or a 35 hour a week workforce. yeah i mean so one of the things to keep in mind is generally speaking although the employment standards branch can just come in and do a spot check on any employer they typically wait until there's a complaint so um most of the time <laughs> employers get a little bit uh, lax in this area because they don't tend to get these requests from the branch. But but that doesn't mean that, that the obligation isn't there. And, and if there is a dispute, you know, now there's now they don't have the records, right? So the key is really to ensure that you're figuring out how you're going to keep a record of this and keep an accurate record as much as you can. Yeah. In any place that I've worked, uh, there have been one of two types of cultures. One is very strict. You know, you're here between this hour and this hour and you'll have the, you'll have your life to yourself. 
once those hours are done. And then the other one is, which I think is much more common these days, which is look, you know, you got a dentist appointment, you got this thing to do, you got that thing to do during the day, whatever you'll, you know, I know I trust you to make up the hours. So, um, okay. So what I wonder about in this case here is, uh, do employers have any right as they're providing a little bit of this flexibility in people's lives to work remotely to then expect that they're going to be available to them in the evening hours or on a weekend or, you know, at, at an off hour or, or, you know, like how, how, how does an employer get guided right now on this one? Yeah. So, I mean, the employment standards act sets out hours of work um, provisions and regulations, and you're not supposed to, you know, work overtime without a, uh, paying extra if you're not a manager. Um, there are certain breaks that are required. There's even, you know, thought that there's even um, the concept of a split shift, right? Or being on call. So all of these things are, are there, but we're not really thinking about them in terms of uh, the remote work environment, right? Um, and, and they're really not that well suited to the remote work environment. So it, it may be that you need to take a look at uh, your needs and the employee's needs and come to an arrangement of a flexible um, a schedule. You might need to apply for a variance to certain employment standards requirements if you want to go that route, that's an option. There are some things that you can get a variance from. Um, but all of those requirements are still quite rigid, even if you do get a variance, right? So it's, you really do have to work with your employees, figure out something that works and not push the envelope. Because the moment you push the envelope and say, well, in order for the flexibility, I want you to now answer your email at 10 at night, um, you're going to start getting complaints, right? Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's keeping it reasonable, I think, is the key to reducing yeah. the likelihood. That sounds so common sense. Uh, last, last area then, I mean, we, I think we almost started with this, which is how the, the Standards Act was really generated in an age where we we weren't using the word pandemic at all. Uh, <laughs> this, so here we are now, uh, and we recognize that we may have a second wave coming, a third wave, who knows, um, and we'll certainly have future pandemics. Um, are we due now, uh, do you think, from a legal standpoint, to, to do a pretty good overhaul about what, what we consider to be employment standards in this very changed and changeable age? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, if you if you look at the way the Employment Standards Act is is set up, it's got all these rules and then there's a regulation and most of the regulation, I don't know, 14 pages or something of it, uh, are devoted to exceptions. And these exceptions have been incrementally inserted into the regulation um, based on uh, a particular sector or a particular type of employer um, making a pitch to government as to why the rules don't really fit for their sector or this job or what have you. High tech is a, is a perfect example of that. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, so we have this sort of general rules and then a whole ton of these exceptions. And that does beg the question, should we actually be rethinking the rules if we have so many exceptions to them now that it takes up 14 pages in the regulation? Um, so yeah, I think it is something that, that is worth looking at. 
it's political, obviously, too. I mean, yeah. making changes to an employment standards, uh, to employment standards legislation or any workplace legislation um, is, uh, is delicate. Someone, and, someone wins and someone loses, right? That's right. So it, it is, um, you know, having that idea about it being about flexibility, but also building into that um, uh, a means to protect employees from employers who are going to take advantage of that flexibility. I think that's the key, right? Yeah, totally interesting times ahead. Uh, but I, I really thank you today for talking to us to at least straighten away where we are now and, and what we're going through. And so such a great, uh, great topic and on everyone's mind as we try to reopen businesses and try to get ourselves back uh, to the economy that we remember only a matter of four or five months ago. Lindsay Thompson, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Lindsay Thompson is the managing partner of Harrison Company, a law firm here based in Vancouver. I'm Kirk LaPointe. Thank you a lot for watching BIV Today. We'll see you again.